All righty then. Welcome everybody once again to Restored to Life Church. I'm Pastor David here at this house church here. Hey, if you're in a, if you're watching this live stream and you're in the area, stop by. Hey, why don't you stop by? You can stop by anytime, by the way. Just not just, just because it says we're open this day, hey, come visit. Or if you ever out this way, we'd love to have you. Um, also, yes, we have now a veteran support group. It's called, got right here on my phone. Corpus Christi Veterans Life Group. All right. Didn't call it a support group. It's a life group. Because what is it, this Christian thing all about? Is doing life together, right? And, you know, Jesus said about, uh, he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Um, so please get the word out. You can go on Google. You can search it up. It's right there. Uh, Corpus Christi Veterans Life Group. So even if you're not in the area, uh, please help get the word out. Or, um, you know, like I said, I haven't started any Facebook group uh, about it. I'm still mulling it over. But the point is, is that I'm a veteran. I'm a 20-year 20, 20 retired combat veteran of the U.S. Army. Three deployments. Um, went through PTSD. I was wounded in August 2008 in the Yala province, Iraq. So, you know, you, I'm, not, I'm not some pastor who has no real understanding um, you know, outside of formal education. Okay. I'm, I'm here. Um, I know what it's like. I've been on both sides. Um, and this, this life group, if you, that's what we're calling it is also for veteran families. So veteran families are welcome. Um, so why? Because the military community is a family, spouses, children, everybody. All right. One big family. So please help get the word out. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, this is something the Lord laid on our heart to do, to step into the, to fill this gap that's just not here in the churches in the area. I'm not dis dissing any of the churches, but there is no. And you know what? The veteran community is all around the United States of America. Wherever you go, you're going to find a veteran community. So, okay. Well, that, so that's out the way. Um Oh, if you want to give, by the way, uh, any any amount would, would be very much appreciated. There's three ways that you can give. Uh, in the description, uh, three links to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo, your choice. We would appreciate any amount you can give. Uh, any amount is, you know, this isn't free to do. So, yeah, there you go. Um, also, uh, I just want to really highlight something I think the Holy Spirit is pushing on my heart is about Ukraine. All right. I see a lot of stuff in the news about Ukraine and people... You know, they're, they're doing stuff like, oh, we're just going to stop selling vodka and take it off our shelves in solidarity of Ukraine. Please don't don't go along that line. If you really want to show solidarity, solidarity with Ukraine, donate to organizations that are actually doing something over there to help the people. out. And there are a ton of them out there. It's not hard to find. Uh, I'm just saying, like, please don't go along the lines of, of if you really want to show solidarity then be a part of it and actually. Um, you can donate money to organizations. Um, so let's not just do something that the people over in Ukraine wouldn't care about and really probably have no concept of. Let's actually be the church and actually do something. Let's show the world a better way, you know? Okay, so with that today, today we're starting a brand new sermon series on the subject of sin. Probably not a popular subject, but it needs to be put out there. And so today we're going to dive into the basics. All right. We're going to be in the book of Genesis um, only today. Um, I'm sure I, I could have gone many different routes, different, many different passages, but we're starting off with the basics of sin. Um, and there's a reason for that. So before we get into it, though, let's 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 invite the Lord in. Uh, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, as your word says that we can. And we, we pray, Lord, be glorified. We pray that we would receive such a revelation um, on the true nature of sin, Lord. Lord, Father, we thank you that you did send your only begotten son, Jesus, to redeem us and save us, as your word says, when we were still dead in our sins. When we didn't love you, we didn't know about you, and we just downright, outright hated you, whether we want to admit it or not. And so we pray, Lord, today that we truly get a revelation of this so that, so that, Lord, we can truly bring others 
into the sheepfold. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, so the subject of sin, why, why, why is it so important? Why do we need to get to the basics? I believe that people have a wrong view of sin. I, I, don't, um, I don't think we quite get uh, how depraved humanity is uh, without Jesus, without God. Um, and if we don't get an, an idea of that, then we won't truly live for Christ because we won't, we won't have a true revelation of how dead we are. So if you're not saved or if we were dead in our sins and we have no reason to truly live for Christ. We have no true motivation to go out and spread the gospel into all the world because we don't see the danger of sin. We don't, we, well, this, and we, and we waffle on it or we water it down and we, we, we say things like, Oh, it's, it's disobedience. Oh yeah. That's part of it. Um, it's, it's breaking the law. Some people say, um, well, that's not true. It's not just breaking the law. And we're going to get into that because Hey, in the book of Genesis, the law had yet to be given. There was no law yet, but we'll, we're going to see how God treated people that God didn't excuse them. There, there was no law yet, right? Um, there was no Moses yet. All of that. We need to realize this, this sin, it, it affects every part of us. All right. It infects us. It, it, it affects the entire world, the entire human race, every, every single person living and breathing. And without the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, we cannot truly live for God. We cannot even make a decision for God because we're so depraved in our sin. Um, I know that may ruffle some feathers, but it's just the truth of the matter. So I guess, I guess the, um, one of the things I want to hit up first is were we without sin in the beginning, right? Why would I hit this up? Because of stuff I've seen, stuff I've heard, views about this. Um, and one of the things that, that people will say is, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, they, they did have sin in their lives. I've heard that, believe it or not, it's out there, but, but how, how was humanity in the beginning? Well, it says here in, in Genesis um, 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Right. So God created us first and foremost. And then continuing on, um, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on this on the earth. Then God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree, which is fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, which has the breath of life in it. I've given uh, every green plant for food. And it was so. And there's a reason so as we wrap this up why I'm reading all this. God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So why did I highlight that? Because throughout creation, right, one day one, God does something good, right? Next next day, it was good, right? But in the culmination of it all, as he as he creates mankind, right, he finally says it's very good. Now God would not call it very good had there been some sin or imperfection. And Adam and Eve, and there was not because God called it very good for a reason. Bible says what it says, and it means what it means. Um, so I, not only that, but it's you know clearly we were to rule over all the earth, right? We were to have dominion. We were to have God gave us uh, stewardship, if you will, over the earth or dominion over all the earth, um, which we forfeited, and we'll get into that in a second. But, but he, he did. It tells it here. Over beasts, over birds, over the fish, over the plants. Everything was given to us before the fall. Before the fall. Um, and and just to, you know, this just shows how God, I think, highlights the awesomeness and goodness of God is that he gave us a choice. He gave us a choice whether to obey him or to disobey him. We were to choose life or we were to choose knowledge. We were, we were going to depend on God or we were going to depend on our own selves. 
you know, we were going to try and make ourselves like God or realizing he is God. He gave us a choice here in Genesis 2, Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 9. Um, the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, along with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let me just pause and say real quick, if you're wondering, like, I thought I thought at the end of Genesis 1, God created it. Well, no, just look at it as as the the overview, and then Genesis 2 moves into the details. So so don't get don't get hung up in thinking that somehow that's you know, why is there a contradiction? It's not. All right. You'll see that throughout the Bible, anyways. Um, and continue and uh, continuing on, right, about this choice. Here, here's where God gives us a choice in Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to till, to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So here we go, right? We had a choice to let God define good, or, to let to let God define good or evil for us, right? The let Him be the arbiter of truth. Let Him say, "Hey, this is wrong. This is right, right?" Because knowledge and life are not the same thing. But we in our humans' uh, eyes, you know, now after the fall, we decided we know what's right. We think what's best. And we see a play out today all around, right? Um, yeah, it's crazy how, how it plays out, you know? Uh, now a man can be a woman if they feel like it, you know? Two people of of the, the same gender, uh, hey, they can do whatever they want to do. Why? Because we're deciding what's right. You know, and it's crazy, by the way, on social media that for speaking like this, sometimes they'll they'll deplatform you, and yet you can go out there and find uh, videos with profanity in it, and that's okay. Nothing happens to that, and, or even worse that you see on social media. But why? Because we decide what we know best. It's no longer God who knows best, right? Why? Because temptation, right? Remember, but I want to highlight to you, though, uh, to get a correct view of sin, temptation is not the sin. Okay, I know. I know many people wrestle with that. Why am I being tempted this way? Whatever it may be, I want to let you know real quickly: temptation is not the sin. And we know that further on in, in the book of James talks about that. Uh, basically, when we fall into temptation, we give into it. That's the sin. But I want to let you know: temptation is not the sin. But God. And I believe this actually speaks of God's sovereignty, by the way. God doesn't need to be a control freak. Right? He, he gives us the choice. Do we depend on him or do we give into the sin when we're tempted? When, when the good is, 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 is right in front of us, what, what, per, what we perceive as, as good, right? And let, let's go further and see, like, is that true? Am I, am, am I speaking nonsense, you know? Because sometimes we have to realize, is it going to be God in our lives or do we choose the good? And good doesn't equal God all the time, right? We see what's good out there, um, whatever it may be. There's lots of things in this world or relationships or whatever. We say, oh, it's good. Maybe if I, if I work hard, that's good, right? Because I'm going to make lots of money for my family, right? But... You know, do we do that at the expense, for instance, of actually being present and discipling our family? Right. It seems good, but is it God? Right. And I write, by the way, there's a book out, uh, Good or God by John Bevere, by the way, and I highly recommend that you read that book. All right. So it says here in Genesis chapter two, starting in verse one. Uh, now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman. Has God said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? <clears throat> that's the first, that's always the temptation. Questioning God. Is God actually good? Is God who he says he is? Will God do what he says he will do? Right? And we can apply this now, by the way, 
to the current situation. You know, we see uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we see this happening. We see, you know, inflation soaring. Is God really good? Is God really going to one day and redeem? Is God really says, uh, is God really who he says he is? Is his character really true? Right? This is always the number one temptation. I believe this is why we always give in, uh, when we do get, give into temptation, because no longer do we trust in God. And it says here, continuing on verse two, and the woman said to the serpent, <clears throat> we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the garden, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you will not eat of it, nor will you touch it or else you will die. Well, there, there's a whole nother sermon in that right there about knowing what the word of God says. Because let me tell you right now, that's another way that, that Satan will truly tempt us is getting us to question the word of God. He, he will quote scripture back front and center. Let me just pause and say, Satan knows the scriptures probably better than most people out there. And he will try to weaponize it against God. And we see this play out later on um, in, in the wilderness when Jesus is tempted. And what, is, what does Satan do? He tempts him with the very scriptures. And if, but, you know, I won't get too far into that. Anyway, it says, and then verse four, then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that on that day, on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open for you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So now Satan comes in and he, and he gets them to question the very nature of God. He gets them to question, is God truly good? No, no, no. You need to know for yourselves. You're the ones. No, no, what God said is not going to come to pass. No, you will not die. Satan does, does that to us. No, what? Sin? Sin? It's not a big deal. We see it today playing on universalism. Oh, no, there are many paths to heaven. No, no, Jesus is not the only way. We, I mean, that's in churches right now, right? Many times it's called, we, we label it now, and I think it's rightly so, progressive Christianity. Right? It's okay to be gay. Don't worry. God loves you, and therefore you can get to heaven. And I say, no way. Let me tell you, God says what he says, and he means what he means. And let me tell you right now, he will follow through with that. All right? God will not waffle. He's not up there like, oh, I'm not sure if I should do that. I know I said I would do it, but am I going to follow? God will follow through. Let me, let me warn you right there. When the Bible says that, that, being disobedient, we are storing up wrath for ourselves, and that the very wrath of God abides upon us. That's truth. God has a set standard. All right, his set standard is obedience. We may not always perfectly obey it, but his standard is still obedience. His standard's never changed. Just because Jesus came and redeemed us didn't mean the standards changed. In fact, when Jesus came along, he, made, he took the standard that was here and he raised it up here. Right? No longer was adultery just a physical act. Now adultery is, is, is lust. No longer was murder just killing somebody unjustly. Now it's if, if I even hate somebody. So no, by no means was somehow things made easier. No. God, God is not a God of compromise. He doesn't compromise on his standards. He doesn't compromise on his word. He gives us the power to be free from sin, no longer be controlled by it. Yes, but it's not a free license to sin. And Paul makes that abundantly clear uh, in, in his writings, right? Now, now, that, um, now that grace abounds, right? Shall we sin all the more? He says, may it never be. Yet here we are. In, in, in 2022, and that's what's preached. Don't worry about your sin. Yet sin brings life or brings death. We, we, we are dead when we are controlled by sin, whatever that may be. You're like, brother, you're just going too far. You're too radical. No, I'm being biblical. I'm being biblical. When we decide to go outside of God, right? When we are controlled by something, any, uh, anything other by God, right? Whether it's a pornography addiction. Oh, I just, I, I just can't break free. Yeah, because we're, we're living without God. That's why. 
whatever sin that we're controlled by, maybe, maybe, maybe angry people just err and everything irks us and everything irritates us. And we and and as the saying goes, our fuse is short. Why? Because we're controlled by it. We we're either a slave to sin or a slave to Jesus. But something, some force, someone controls us. And we need to realize that. We need to realize that, that God is the only way. And we need to stop questioning him. He is God Almighty, God on the throne. Okay. We as humans, and you know, that was my previous sermon series that I preached on was the sovereignty of God. We don't get to question him. We don't get that right. Okay. We are very finite beings. All right. We don't have a full understanding of God. I, I honestly don't know if we ever will have that level of understanding of God. I, I don't know that. I mean, in my little very finite mind. But we don't we don't get the option. That's called rebellion, right? And we see it here play out, giving into the temptation in Genesis two verses uh, six through seven. When a woman saw that the tree was good, repeat after me, good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes and a and a tree desirable to make one wise. Wow, desirable. So we're seeing. We're seeing um, these words in here for a reason. She saw that it was good. It was desirable. Ooh, if I go here, it's going to make me wise. If I go there, it's going to make me wise. Yet, the Bible says that the beginning of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. We have zero wisdom as human beings in and of ourselves. I don't care what fancy degrees or accolades anybody has. That doesn't give anybody an ounce of wisdom because God is the source, right? And she took of its fruit and ate and she gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Look at that. After the rebellion, my goodness. Look, I, I don't think... They had any issue before with them walking around naked, you know, with each other. But they, their eyes were open. They realized, my goodness, I just rebelled against God. The one commandment, the one thing he told us not to do, we just did it. Now we're naked and ashamed. They were, I believe, I believe this, this says that they were, this gets to the point where now they were ashamed, Right? Because nakedness and being exposed is, is shame. It wasn't before, but now they left God. They decided, I'm going to go my own way, right? Like the song, I'm going to go my own way. Right? Or, you know, I did it my way, right? Um, old Frank Sinatra sings, I did it my way, right? As if it's a good thing. No, you're doing it our own way, right? I did it my way, right? It's going get, to get us on the highway to hell. That's what they did. And now they were ashamed. Now, oh my, wait a minute. What I, the one thing, the one thing, God only gave him one command to obey. And then he decided to give, uh, give away, you know, the, the life, life and life everlasting. And so we come to the point now of original sin, a concept that many people don't either understand or they don't like it and they try to explain it away or, or let, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. I, maybe I'll rephrase it to original guilt is, is what I've heard, but let me tell you what it is, what it is. Right. And people, people, people don't like this. Well, you know, I, you know, you, you probably hear, you probably heard it yourself. Maybe why should I have to pay for what Adam did? You know, why do I have to go? Oh, God is mean for that. Well, if you have that viewpoint, let me just let me just correct that right now, right? It, do, is it really true, or or do we make our own decisions because of the sin in our life? How how does this original sin infect and affect humanity? Let me tell you what it does in every degree. So we see here very first generation of humanity, right? So Adam and Eve now they had 
Um, two sons, Cain and Abel, right? I'm sure you're familiar with the story. Cain, you know, Cain, Cain, get, Cain is getting jealous of his brother. He's getting angry at his brother. God is telling him, like, well, why are you getting angry for? Don't worry if you just do well. But no, 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 not good enough for Cain. Right, now Cain is already filled with this jealousy, this very envy. The very same jealousy and envy that filled Satan when he was Lucifer in heaven. How do we know that? Because also in the Bible, um, you know, it describes uh, Satan as a murderer. So here we go, right from the very get-go. First generation humanity, right? We're not talking generations down the line. Very first what does it say? Genesis 4.8. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Right from the get-go. And I'm sure that that as of yet, murder hadn't been taught. Right? That's like I said, first generation. And yet because sin is so prevalent, it... it, it we walk in this. We love it. We desire to sin without God. Bam. First murder ever happened. First bloodshed. Why? Because of sin. Because now sin gets passed down to every person ever. They don't sin. You don't even have to be taught sin. That's his thing. Like I said, Cain didn't have to be taught about sin. Nobody had been murdered yet. Nobody blood hadn't been shed yet. Then here we go. Right from the very get-go. Right? And, and, and as humanity continues on and grows and multiplies, we see that, that mankind is now extremely wicked. Now, now you could say that mankind is, is, is multiplying in its wickedness. So before the flood, what does it say here? What, what does the Lord say? In Genesis 6, verses 5 through 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Great on the earth. What, what part? The entire world. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was continually only evil. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. See how prevalent that sin was. It was, humanity was hell-bent Toward disobedience. It says here that the thoughts of his heart was continually only evil. They may say, brother, you're going too far now. What about, what about, you know, you name drop a name. What about they give money to these great causes, you know? Uh, they have this. Doesn't make them good. Doesn't make them less evil. This is the reality that we need to come to grips with as troubling it may, as it may be. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, man, brother, that sounds very Calvinistic. Like, no. No, it's very biblical. It says, Genesis 6, 11 through 12, the earth was corrupt before God and filled with violence. God looked on the earth and saw it was corrupt. For all flesh, say all flesh, had corrupted their way on the earth. Every single living, breathing person corrupted. Corrupted in the thoughts. Corrupted in actions. Think about, think about it this way. World War II, a mere scuffle compared to what was happening on the earth at the time. Because God said God, it grieved God, God was grieved in his heart. That's what sin does, by the way. When we choose sin, when we reject the way out of sin, Jesus, we grieve God in his heart. We, he is very grieved. Is he angry? Yeah. Does he love us? Yes. And because he made a way out of sin, he's grieved. We reject it. My, I mean, the, the way is there. I believe he's also grieved when we decide not to spread the gospel, we have the opportunity. When we don't look for opportunities, I believe God is grieved because people don't get the opportunity to even hear the gospel. You know, there are actually people out there in the world 
that have never heard the gospel message. Why? Why is that? I, I believe a big part is, is, is that Christians just simply don't want to. They're, they're comfortable doing whatever it is that they want to do wherever they're at. Hey, man, you know, I got saved. I'm done. Whew, I'm good to go. Oh, man. Man, I can't wait. I'm going to sit here and Jesus is going to come, come back any moment now. Well, this kicked off. Jesus is coming back. I don't have to do anything. No, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel. And part of preaching the gospel is what I'm doing today. It's highlighting the effects of sin on our lives, on every single person. And then God, we know, floods the earth, right? Um, you know, he, he sees Noah. He decides, you know what, I'm just going to wipe everything out. I'm going to start over. I'm going I'm to preserve this one family, one family out of all the earth, and I'm going to wipe it all out and start all over again. That's how much it grieved God. That's how much sin grieves God. So much so that one day we can read about it in Genesis or in Revelation and Zechariah 12 through 14, um, places like Ezekiel, Daniel. Uh, one day, guess what? God is going to reach his point. Remember, God is patient and loving because he says this none of this is going to, the end time stuff is going to play out until the gospel is preached to all the world. But let me tell you what. God may be infinite in his patience, but one day that patience is going to run out. One day. And God is going to do whatever it takes to wipe sin out forevermore. Yeah, that's awfully evil of him. No, no this, this is how much God, God is grieved by sin. So, sin affects us and, and infects us from our very youth. That, that's also another point today. It says in Genesis 8, 21, the Lord smelled a soothing aroma and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the inclination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Now, look, you don't have to teach a child to sin. That's the thing about it. Children don't have to be taught to sin. I mean, I got three little kids sitting right here. Right? And you were a kid. I was a kid, right? We didn't just pop up as adults, right? Think about maybe when you were a kid or if you have kids, right? What happens, right? The temptation enters in. Boy, those cookies look awfully good. Mom and dad, they're not around to see me. I can get away with it. I'm going to sneak those things. And then, you know, you see the little cookie trail or something, little crumbs or empty packaging left behind. Did you stink and eat those cookies? What's, what's the automatic answer from kids for all time? No. Automatically. So they sin by sneaking the snacks. And then they sin again by lying about it. Even though the evidence is right there. You don't have to teach a kid to sin. Now, God in his infinite glory or in his infinite grace and mercy, you know, will not send little babies or children to hell. I don't believe that is ever. However, there comes a time when kids know that they're rebelling. You know, you know, before a certain age, they don't quite understand why they're doing it. But guess what is making them know? Sin. Sin in their life. We are born through it. That's why Jesus had to be born the way he was born. That's why it wasn't, through um, a man. That's why it was by the Holy Spirit only because he couldn't be that way, born of the flesh in, in, that, in that way. Kids do whatever. I mean, man, I, I swear sometimes. I remember when I was a kid too, I would do stuff like this, but I swear kids are hell-bent on sinning sometimes. Do whatever I want to do, man. I got to play those video games. I know dad told me, I'm looking over at my kids, Told me not to play games because I hadn't been behaving, but I got to play Roblox. That temptation, that sin is there. From the youth, yeah. It's the reality of it, you know. 
That's why people come up with an age of accountability for a reason. Do I know if, for sure if it's spot on? No, I don't, but I believe in it. There comes a point in every kid's life, they know. They know they're rebelling. They know what they've been told to do, and they don't do it because they simply, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do whatever I want. Sin and rebellion. That 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 is the way we are born. I know I was treating um, a little lightly there, but that's okay. I mean, this, the point being is that we are made to sin from life. Not only that, but Noah. How about how about old 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 Noah there, right? Who was called blameless by God? Check this out, right? In Genesis uh, six nine, uh, Noah was a just man and blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Check that out. It says right here, Noah walked with God. Okay, so people who believe in once saved, always saved, or 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 eternal security to the point where, you know what? Nothing I do will separate me from God. Well, Noah was called blameless, and yet he sinned. Like, check this out. Noah, let me just lay out the story. Let me just lay it out. All right, now we see where it was wicked. God chose a man named Noah, right? He was blameless. He called him blameless. It says Noah walked with God to build this ark and start over with his family. That, that was God, God's plan. Right, he was going to redeem humanity through this. And yet, what happens? Like Noah just has seen every living thing that was not on the ark, every plant, every animal, every every everything wiped out completely. Right? He's been through this extreme storm, right? Because it says that the windows of heaven opened. And got opened up the deep, flooded the entire world. Got Noah had been through all this, saw it all happen. Right? Yet what happens? Genesis 9, 20 through 21. Noah began uh, to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank some of the wine and became drunk and land covered in his tent. Noah had just been through all of this. What's called blame sky by guy. What's the first thing that Noah does? After getting off the boat in the altar and praying to God, he had he had he had done all that before, by the way. Right? Sweet incense rising to God. And then Noah decides to get sloshed. Why? Because sin. Remember, like I said, I, want, I need to highlight this to you. The the the, the infection of sin. Without the redemption of Jesus Christ, we can look upon why, 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 why do I think I feel like the unction of the Holy Spirit upon this, so we can look to these great men that we think are so wise. Let's look, for instance, to to the rabbis, right? I, I see a lot of people say, "Well, my rabbi said," but this rabbi said that. Well, you know what? If they're outside of Jesus. They can say all the flowery words. They can pick this and that and, you know, preach on it, whatever it may be. But guess what? If they're not of Jesus Christ, you need to stop listening to them right now. Right now. I just, this is something I, I, I hear a lot and see a lot. Mankind is hell-bent on sin without Jesus Christ. We see this play out in Noah's life. Not only that, but fast forward now, some generations on, right? What else is the infection of sin? We want to be the greatest, right? Pride. It says here in Genesis 11, 1 through 4, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. As the people journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and settled there. They said to each other, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top will reach to heaven, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Pride. Pride. I believe that's where a lot of sin, I probably wish that every sin starts. Every, every sinful action, pride, the leaven of sin. We know 
the Bible illustrates just a little leaven. Just a little leaven ruins the entire lump of dough. Just a little bit. And you bakers or cooks out there, you know this. Right? You have to make some pizza dough. You have to make uh, a bread. Right? How much of that yeast, that leaven, do you actually have to use to get it to puff up? Right? Maybe, maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe one day, I don't know, you either didn't read the directions or you did read them and you kind of, you know, whatever called for, you added too much in there. What happens? Right? The, the, the more you add, the more it puffs up. And then the long, right? And then what, what, what do you have to do? Um, I believe it's called proofing the dough, I believe that's called, right? Right? You got to let it sit and it rises. So the longer it sits, the bigger it rises. We can, we can put that to sin. The longer we hold on to our sin, the worse it becomes in our life. The more puffed up we get. Oh, look at me. I mean, these people nowadays, that it grieves me, yes. Walking away from God. I don't like that God. I don't like him. This right here, mm-mm-mm. Now I, find, I found some things in here I don't like. Pride. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't know about this word right here. Pride. Thinking we actually can know better than God. That we have the right to tell God what we don't like. Let me just make this abundantly clear. You cannot, accept, you cannot say you love the God of the Bible, and yet you don't love his word. Let me make this abundantly clear. This word right here cannot be separated from God. This is his written word to us to reveal what he has chosen because he is God to reveal to us. Whatever problems you might have that's not detailed enough for you, well, let me tell you what, that's just stupid. God put in here what he wanted us to know, what he wanted to reveal about himself to us. The story and the narrative laid out through here God chose to do that. God himself. And we should thank God every day, and we should every day be deep in this word. But we don't like that because how can God possibly hang the stars in the sky? That's not what science tells me. Well, guess what? The book, this book, the Bible is not a science book. It was never meant to be a science book. God tells us what he wants us to know, how he wants to say it. He's God. He gets to do that. Pride enters in. Sin of pride. Right? If we go back to the very beginning, that was pride that entered in. Right? No, no, no. Did God really say that? No, no, no. You can be like him. That's what the Bible says. Knowing good and evil. Pride entered in. Who is God to tell me what to do? Why didn't he tell me what I wanted to know, when I wanted to know, how I wanted to know it? Pride. But we see that throughout. Oh, I'm going to question. I don't understand this. You know, let me tell you what. There are people far more wise than I, far, far more knowledgeable than I, who recognize there are things in the world they don't understand. People like Professor Craig Keener who I would say is probably the foremost New Testament scholar out there. And yet he'll say, I don't understand that. He'll say, I don't know. If, if somebody like him doesn't know, my goodness, I don't know who knows what then. You, you're not going to have perfect understanding. That doesn't give us a right to rebel and tell God, well, I don't understand it. So I'm walking away. The Bible makes it abundantly clear. 1 Corinthians 13. For now we only understand in part and we know in part. It doesn't say that that gives us a right to do anything. I'm so sick of this. This whole my rights, your rights, 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 rights. Everybody's screaming and clamoring about I got the rights for this. No, you don't. There's only one God-given right that I know of in the Bible. The rights 
if we come through Jesus Christ to be called sons and daughters of God. That's it. That's the only right that we get. All right? The right to this and the right to this. and the... No, you don't. You want to think that way? Then you have the right to go to hell. And don't complain when you get there. Well, but brother, I don't know what you're talking about. My life is going good right now. Okay. And? I'm trying to tell you, tell you where you're going to end up for eternity. Look, this, this life that we live right now is only so long. It's not even a mite of dust in the grand scheme of eternity. Think about that. Think, just, just try for, for just a moment here. Wrap your mind around the concept of forever. Never ending. Think about that for a second. Regardless, you know what, whether your view on hell is eternal torment, as in like we're literally going to be tortured forever, or whether your view is that it's, it, it just, it means we'll be actually in that place and, you know, eternally separated from God. Regardless of, of one of those views, think about that forever. Regardless, either forever literally being tormented or literally forever separation. You, you, let, let me give you a concept of separation of God, from God. No hope at all. Nothing, not a shred of love, not a shred of light, not a shred of decency, grace, nothing. Utter, you know what you can liken it to literally? The, the, uh, the, the darkness that God put on, on Egypt as one of the curses. Forever, never, never ending. And the only reprieve a person would get is, is one day, whenever that takes place, before the great right throne of judgment. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just drive this point home. Think about it. You're like, well, the great right throne and this. Let me, let me just drive home this point. Whenever Jesus returns, and I don't know when, you don't know when, nobody knows when, and if and somebody says they know when, they're a liar. Let me just let me drive this point home. Even then, once he does return, at the end of the Great Tribulation, it's still a thousand more years to go before that great, great white throne of judgment. Can you wrap your head around just that a little bit? A thousand years. And then, after that, guess what happens to the people who never accepted Jesus Christ? Chucked into the lake of fire forever, for all, for all eternity. That's where sin gets us. That's right. Without the redemptive power of Jesus, that's where sin will get us. But next week, guess what? I'm going to I'm going to bring the redemptive power of God. I'm going to I'm going to lay out the redemptive story. Cuz right now it's it's very heavy. You know what? I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. I want it to be heavy right now. I I want it to be heavy right now. Every person listening, sinner or saint, I want I want this message to be weighing upon you all week long. Because I want you to either, one, be motivated to go out there and preach the gospel. Some of you some of you listening right now are, and I praise God for it. But but I want this to weigh and say, man, I was I'm literally this this is how depraved I am. That I will sin. And no matter how free I want to be, you know what? Let me just pause and say, when people say, I want to be free from drug addiction, alcohol, whatever, I truly, I truly believe that they want it. And I'm not going to doubt anybody when they say that. But you know what happens when people do that? All right, what's the, what's the, if they actually go along that route, right? They go to these groups and they'll stand up and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. could be three years down the road. Hi, my name is so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. Why? Because they haven't really been truly set free yet. Same thing with any drug addiction. Whatever, whatever group you go to, that's what happens. Hi, my name is, and I am this. Because that is the grip that sin has on our lives without Jesus being able to set us free. Without us 
coming. We can't even love Jesus. You know that? We hate him. And if you're if you're like, well, if you want a, a, a deeper teaching on this, um, go watch the episode on restoring your voice that I talked and taught on total depravity. I want this to wait. And for you out there who 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 are not free from sin, let me tell you what. It's very easy to be set free. There's no there's no formula for it. There's no there's no words. It's called repentance. That's what breaks us, the grip of sin. Because why? Jesus himself said it. He said to repent and believe. That's what it takes. Us recognizing our total depravity. And how how do we do that by the how, how, how will people even get a chance to realize that? Through the preaching of the gospel. And then God giving us the grace to understand, to, to, to receive the Holy Spirit conviction, to open our eyes to see this. And I want you, if you're not in Jesus, to see this. Because I want you to know that you can be set free. But we cannot be set free truly if we don't even think we need to be. If we don't realize the weight of sin, the grip of sin. If we don't realize this, why would we even want to be set free? Or, or maybe we come to our hum, human version of being set free. Right? And I'm not talking sanctification. That's a lifelong process. What I'm talking about is saying, well, I've come to Jesus and yet Sin still controls our lives. It still dominates our lives. That's that's not biblical. That is not biblical. I urge you. I urge you to, to take this and study it. If, if I were you, you have never really opened this word up. You've never really given it a chance. You know what? I would I would I would highly, highly, highly recommend you would start in the book of Romans. I'm not saying it's the only right way to do it. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not, and I'm not dismissing the rest of the Bible. But I would just believe that, that Brother Paul lays out the difference between being a slave to sin and slave to Christ, being alive to Christ or dead in our sin. So many things like that in the book of Romans. I, I believe that, that that is a great place for anybody to start. I'm saying that you have to, but I'm, it's just a recommendation because we need to understand this. It's one or the other people, all right? We don't get to play monkey in the middle, right? We don't get to be Switzerland, right? New, right in the middle, well, I'm waffling. Okay, now one foot in, one foot out, right? Play the hokey pokey and we shake it all about. No, that's not the way things work. We're set free or we're not. Will we still sin? Yeah, we will. But the difference is, are we controlled by it? What the world likes to call an addiction, right? And I know during during today, I laid out some of the major addictions. But you know, we can be addicted to anger. That's right. We can be addicted to being angry people. We can be addicted to greed. It's many, many different things. It's just the world likes to say it's an addiction. No, it's not. Let me just tell you what it is. It's sin. It's sin. Let, let's, let's stop downplaying things. Oh, it's an extramarital affair. No, it's adultery. Okay, um, it's what, what, what's the word they call when it's not marriage? Something like a civil union or something they call it. No, it's fornication. That's what it is. All right, all right. We, we pe people don't get to go into the kingdom of God and then shack up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. At the same time, that's not the way it works. We can be addicted to lying, man. Oh, if I do this and I say this, or I'm deceptive in this way, it'll get me more. I won't have to work as hard. Right? Lying and greed. Liars, deceivers, um, slanders. We can, we can be addicted to slandering. What does that mean? I'm speaking something of another person. That's not true. Happens all the time. Yet people who not inherit the kingdom of, of heaven, slanders. We need to realize this today. We need to realize this today. I want this, I want this message to weigh heavy. If you, if you want to make a decision, praise God for it.
But I feel like the unction of the Holy Spirit, the cold's here. So join us next week as um, I'm going to continue on the subject of sin. I'm going to lay out for you um, the God's biblical redemption plan for us. And it started with a man named Abraham, who eventually the Jewish people came through him. The Jewish people as a part of redemption of God's plan. So join me next week for that. And uh, I just, I want to close here. So God bless you. We're out for now.